Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. And again, welcome. We're so glad to see all of your smiling faces this morning. My name's Brian. I'm the care pastor here at the church, and uh, it's my pleasure to be with you here this morning, at least for a couple of hours, because vacation. Vacation. Some of you are on vacation. Some of you are working to get on vacation this week. I am about four hours from being on vacation. (laughs) And yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. Um... Because here's, but here's the thing, you know, vacation always sounds so wonderful until you actually get on vacation, right? I mean, let's face it, how many of us have had the absolute worst argument we've ever had with a family member while we were on vacation? It's, it's almost inevitable, right? Or... You stay at the absolute worst place you have ever been in your life. Anybody had that experience? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Try to save a few dollars. Ended up discovering uh, what roaches do in the summer for fun. (laughs) You know, there are just some things. There's going to be something that's going to happen on your vacation. It's going to seem like the end of the world. Because you're on vacation and this terrible thing happens. And 10 years from now, you're going to laugh about it. But at the time, it's really not that funny at all, right? I remember um, being on vacation. Where we're going on vacation is right outside of Los Angeles. We're going to the Vineyard uh, National Convention. Woohoo! Going to hang out there for a while. But we're also going to jump down to San Diego where uh, Tonda has some uh, cousins that I just got to meet this week, a wonderful family, and hang out with them and go to the zoo and do all those fun things. And it should be a great time. But I remember the first time I was in San Diego, which was going on about 15 years ago now, and life was a little different. I was still working at the hotel, and uh, I had worked probably 100 or 110 hours a week for every week of the year leading up to this vacation. And, and I had such high, high hopes for this vacation. But I literally got off work, got in the car, drove to San Diego, and I felt like nothing. I felt like just being a pool of jello in a place. And I'm with my family, and I'm not at work, and it was great. But I really, I had zero, zero energy to do anything. Like I was on vacation and I couldn't even care. I just wanted to lay in bed. That's not a vacation. (laughs) So I don't know if you've ever been there where you just are so worn out that even a vacation is too much work. Last week we started this series called A Vacation Invitation from Jesus and Doug walked us into this so well and we learned that the beginning of your vacation is to reconnect, to reconnect with Jesus, to reconnect with what our life and our source and everything comes from. And this morning, we are going to go into the word rejuvenate. 
Because the second thing is sometimes you got to get a little energy. you got to get something back before you can even think about being relaxed enough to be on vacation. So that's what we're going to jump into this morning. And we're going to be in uh, John, the gospel book of John, chapter 7. And uh, let's read this together, verses 37 all the way down to 39. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within that. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those he believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Father, I just ask that you breathe your life upon your word this morning, even as it says, Lord, cause rivers of living water to swell up out of this, Lord, that we all are washed and refreshed and rejuvenated this morning. Jesus, remind us how, how much joy and love you have for us this morning, even as we focus on you. Lord, just get me out of the way, Holy Spirit. Come and use this time to teach and to love on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here's the thing about vacations. Why do we get so worn out? I mean, really, why do we get so worn out? Jesus is, is talking to a group of people in the first century. And to be honest, they had a few more things to do during the day, right? I mean, here we are, and uh, our houses don't quite look like this, but I was pretty sure by 2017 this was going to be the house I was living in. Chip, if you can put that up. Yeah, there's, there's a machine that makes the pancakes and feeds you and takes care of the kids and the dogs and everything. And we really do. We have more leisure time than ever before in our lives. We have to do way less physical labor, probably even if you live on a farm. And, and I know there are some people here who live on a farm, but even on a farm now, there's lots more machinery. There's ways to handle things. And so we have to do lots less physical labor. And you, theoretically, we should be living in la-la land. We shouldn't need a vacation from anything, right? Because life is so stinking good. Sure it is. Then maybe you can explain to me why our depression and our anxiety rates are at all-time highs. We are the most medicated generation ever. We need more vacations. We have a huge stress level that we walk around with. Why is this? Why is it? Why do we need so many vacations? I want to give us a little background that's going to help with what's going on in this scripture real quick because I think it will help us set the tone and the context pretty well. Jesus speaks out and says, come to me at something called the Feast of Booths 
or tabernacles. This was a, a Jewish feast that would happen once a year. It was seven days long. And what would happen is this. They would gather at the temple and there would be times of worship and times of rejoicing and things. But every morning, this is how this festival started. The priests would walk out and they would circle the altar and they would have a golden pitcher of water. And they would take the golden pitcher of water and they would pour it out on the altar. And as they poured out the water, the people of Israel would remember of God's provision for Moses of water in the desert. They would recall the scriptures that say there is a Savior coming. There is an end time to come. And, the, and God is going to win this battle. And then they would also think about the words of Zechariah where he would say that the Spirit is going to be poured out on your old men and on your young men alike and they will prophesy and they will do signs and miracles and wonders. And as this water is poured out, the people would become more and more triumphant and more and more joyous and they would start to sing hallelujahs. And worship and praise would break out. And it was a wonderful place to be. People who wrote about this in the first century who had seen it but weren't themselves Jews said each song would burst forth more joyous than the next. That's the, the context of this. And, and if you're following along this morning, it leads us to our first fill-in. And that's this. Worship the right thing. Worship the right thing. See, what the Jewish people were doing, what the priests were leading them to, what God had inscribed into their tradition was this, is keep me at the forefront. Make sure that your joy and your refreshment come from me. Chase after me and, and the rest You'll have your times of refreshing. You will have the water. You will have the provision. You will have the knowledge that in the coming day I win and the world is reclaimed and it will all be set right. But how we get so worn out is that, see, we chase after what we worship, right? Whatever it is that we worship is what we chase after. So if we worship success, we will chase after money and we will chase after all of the things that can't possibly ever give us success. When we chase after security, we chase after the wrong things instead of chasing after the God whose name is security. And sometimes we do these things even with the best of intentions. It reminded me of, of this guy. Right? Was, was he after a good thing? All he wanted was his health. All he wanted was time with his family. But somehow in pursuing that, he chased after it in the wrong kind of way. You know, they're, they're a means to an end <laughs> isn't always the right way to looking at things. And so Jesus steps into this moment where we say, how do I 
satisfy my thirst to be whole, to be secure, to be loved, to be the human that God made me to be. Jesus says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And we need to drink and to drink often. And that's because we get thirsty because life gets dry. We need rejuvenated. I probably don't need to tell you this morning at all that drudgery is a part of life. If that, if that is news to you, let me say that again. Drudgery is a part of life. I guarantee whatever it is that you do, whether it's things you do with your family, whether it's things you do at work, whether it's your hobby, there is at least a part of it that is really boring and tedious and awful, and you'd rather just take the good parts and go, but it's necessary, right? Sometimes, though, our work is, is overtaken by this drudgery. Our time with our family can be overtaken by this drudgery. It's as if there's a rip current of stress and overwork that just wants to come and pull us back into just this terrible portion of what we get to do and rob all of the joy from it. So what do we do when life sucks the life out of life? (laughs) What do we do? I think part of what Jesus is, is saying is that we can transform our work into worship. Transform our work into worship. That's your second fill-in. And I had a I had a clip, but I'm not going to show it this morning of the movie 12 Years of Slave. Have you guys seen this movie? Awesome movie. It depicts an absolutely heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching story of a generation or an entire race of people who are ripped away from their homeland. Families are torn apart. They are treated brutally like animals. Thought of as the least of the least. And in this country, they somehow manage to to stay together, to stay focused. And one of the main characters Solomon goes through this incredible, incredible journey with all the odds stacked against him. But there's this one rising tide throughout the movie. And if you remember the scene where they're all in the field picking cotton and the, the farm master is whipping them and saying, go faster, do more, pick more. And one, one of the slaves falls over because he's so dehydrated. But you can hear the spiritual. You can hear the song rising up behind him. You can hear the chants of what is now uh, an absolutely beautiful tradition of music and gospel. The, The words, I think, are something like this. Oh, by and by, oh, by and by, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load. I'm troubled 
I'm troubled. If Jesus don't help me, I will surely die. This is the cry of a desperate people chanting in a field, being beaten under a hot, hot South Carolina or Georgia or Mississippi sun mercilessly. And yet what do they do? How do, how do they get through this? They keep themselves focused, focused on Jesus. Focused on the one thing that will care for them, that will move them through history and will be there in their comfort. They don't deny anything that's happening to them, but they lean into it and look for God the entire time. Psalm 16 says this, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful or holy one see decay. As their worship rises up to God, as our worship rises up to God, the spirit within us quickens and teaches us to worship and instructs our worship and gives us life. And as the Spirit gives us more life, our worship becomes more vibrant. And as our worship becomes more vibrant, the cycle begins and we are rejuvenated. And what used to be drudgery is brought forth into some sort of life-giving, soul-nourishing life and energy. And once that cycle begins, once the Spirit starts speaking, once our worship rises, whether it's through our hands, from our mouths, through the way that we do life, your third fill-in is this. Let it flow. Just let it flow. I want to go back. I want to go back to the tabernacle ceremony for just just a minute because there's something incredibly cool that happens on the seventh day. This will really put this scripture in context. Every day they come and they bring the pitcher of water and they empty it out on the altar and the people become ecstatic and their worship rises up and there's much joy and refreshment and, and rejuvenation. But on the seventh day, the priests come in. They circle the altar seven times. And that symbolizes the fall of Jericho and, and the, the victory of the people of God over the town of Jericho as, as God provided for them in that situation. And so as they circle the seventh time, They bring the pitcher and they set it on the altar. Only this time the pitcher is empty. And instead of the crowd bursting forth with joy, bursting forth with hallelujahs and worship, they go silent. They go silent because this 
is meant to commemorate the generations lost in the desert during the Exodus. The 40 years and I think three generations of Israelites who are either killed, died through hardship, or just did not make it. Tens of thousands upon thousands of people who didn't make it. And it's in this moment where they all fall silent that Jesus stands up and he says, are you thirsty? There's no water. Are you thirsty? Come to me. I have what you need. I have a new way. See, Jesus knows that he's talking to a group of people who live in a desert. And day after day after day of this festival, they have been watching a priest pour water on an altar. They have been watching a ceremony. They have been watching something that they would dearly love to be able to be a part of, yet they aren't. There's a distance. They can't drink the water. They can't go up and splash it on their face and get real refreshment. They have promises of God that they're reminded of. They have all of these trappings that they see going on. But Jesus says, you know what? Now it's different. It's going to be different. I'm going to give you the water. I'm going to pour the water on you. No longer do you have to stand and watch a priest. And this is, for some of you this morning, you need to hear this. Because for some of you this morning, you have been coming to church or you have been looking at church and you have been watching a priest go through something, pour out some water, do some sort of other thing, and you don't feel connected to it. You don't feel a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe this morning you know Jesus and and it's just suddenly I need the water. I need the water. I need a drink. Ezekiel 47 tells a beautiful picture of a river that flows forth from the temple. From the temple, from the very living presence of God in Jerusalem. If you, and if you turn, you turn over there, listen, I got to read this. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to Araba where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. The ocean water becomes fresh water. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englaim, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds. 
like the fish of the great sea, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both branks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This, this is a picture of the living stream of water that Jesus wants to pour into your soul. This is a picture of the abundance of a life lived, of a vacation had, of a rejuvenation in Christ Jesus. What I want us to do this morning is we're going to pray. And I really just want to take, take a minute. Father God, we stand before you as a people who need rejuvenated. Lord, we need your living water to burst forth from us. We need the presence of your spirit. We need your abundant life. This morning, if, 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 if you've never, if you've never accepted Jesus' invitation into this beautiful, wonderful life, this abundant source of joy. We'd, we'd love to pray with you this morning. If you slip your hand up or, or come down to the front so the prayer team can play, pray with you, we'd love, we'd love to do that this morning. But for everyone else, I want us to just take a minute. Just, just hold your hands out like this. Just, just hold our hands out. Lord, here I am, dry, leaking. Lord, pour your water into us. <coughs> Holy Spirit, come. Rejuvenate your people. Where there's dryness, Lord, just, just wash over. Wash over us. listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the Pushpay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.